Hello and welcome to the Nutrition Diva Podcast. I'm your host, Monica Reinagel, and today we're talking about processed meat. What exactly do we consider to be processed meats? What are the concerns with them? How much is too much? You know, virtually all of the healthy eating guidelines, everything from the dietary guidelines for Americans to the recommendations put out by the World Health Organization, the American Cancer Society, and the American Heart Association, they all include some sort of recommendation to limit your intake of processed meat. But there's a lot of confusion about what counts as processed meat. I mean, ham, bacon, pepperoni, and hot dogs, those are generally included in that category. But what about uncured bacon or hot dogs that have no nitrites added? What about the sliced turkey or roast beef from the deli counter? Are they processed? And what exactly is it about processed meat that makes it a potential problem? Is it just about the nitrites? Is it sodium, saturated fat, all of the above? I think there's also some understandable confusion about what exactly it means to limit your consumption. Is one serving a week too much? One serving a month? Is any amount safe? Kathleen Zellman is a registered dietitian who, among other things, served for many years as the director of nutrition for the website WebMD. She recently wrote a white paper for the North American Meat Institute addressing some of these questions and concerns about processed meats. And then she sat down with me later to discuss this further. So first, what exactly is the definition of a processed meat? As Kathleen explains in her white paper, minimally processed meat is the correct term for raw, uncooked meat products that have been minimally altered, such as grinding or cutting, to create familiar cuts like strip steaks or pork chops. No additives or preservatives are used. It's simply processed from the whole animal into edible portions you see in the grocery store. And then she goes on to say, further processed is the term used for meat and poultry that has been transformed through salting, curing, fermentation, smoking, cooking, battering, breading, or the addition of ingredients to enhance flavor or improve preservation and safety. Examples include hot dogs, ham, sausages, corned beef, lunch meat, bacon, or beef jerky, as well as canned meat and meat-based preparations. So you see the problem here. Most of us would not call a piece of raw chicken or pork processed meat, but in the meat industry, these are considered processed meats. For that matter, I think most of us would not put a can of tuna into the same category as hot dogs or corned beef. And yet, in the meat industry, these are all further processed meats. The way processed meat is defined in research studies is also fuzzy and very inconsistent, but it does tend to align more with the meat industry's definition of further processed. But nomenclature aside, it's important to note that processing serves some useful functions, such as inhibiting the growth of dangerous pathogens, increasing food safety, and extending shelf life. Here's Kathleen Zellman. So in the, in the processing, there are other uh, additives that are introduced, and these additives add to flavor, but they also add to the safety and the shelf life of the product. So our, our meat supply is safer than it has been in a long time because we have these additives serving the purpose of food safety as well as um, the process of curing or fermenting or smoking. 
Most of the health concerns about processed meats come from large epidemiological diet studies, which have linked consumption of processed meats with an increased risk of various diseases, including colon and other cancers of the digestive tract, heart disease, and diabetes. Of course, correlation is not causation. And there could be a lot of other explanations for this finding. For example, people who eat a lot of processed meat tend to have less healthy lifestyles in general. They're more likely to smoke, for example, and less likely to exercise regularly. They tend to eat fewer fruits and vegetables, and so on. Some, but not all, processed meats are also quite high in sodium and saturated fat. So if you're eating a lot of them, your diet is also going to be high in sodium and saturated fat, and those are factors which may independently increase disease risk. Although attempts are made to control for all of these variables, it is possible that processed meat consumption is simply a statistical indicator of a less healthy lifestyle and not a direct cause of disease. On the other hand, the correlation between processed meat consumption and increased health risks has been pretty consistently observed across decades of research and tens of thousands of subjects. And there's a pretty well-established mechanism of action that would explain the connection between cured and smoked meats and cancer. A lot of people think that the nitrites and nitrates in processed meats are the problem. Sodium nitrite and sodium nitrate are often added to cured meats, such as ham, bacon, and hot dogs. Uncured bacon and sausages are often made with celery extract, and that is naturally high in nitrites. Ironically, the level of nitrites and nitrates in these so-called uncured products is often just as high as in their cured counterparts. These compounds are added in order to preserve the meats and give them their characteristic flavors and textures. But Nitrites and nitrates also have a variety of beneficial actions in the body. In fact, the primary source of nitrites and nitrates in the diet is vegetables. In fact, many of the beneficial effects of vegetables may be thanks to their nitrate content. So it's not the nitrates and nitrates per se that pose a risk. The problem is that they can react with other compounds, both in foods and in our bodies. And these chemical reactions can create new compounds called nitrosamines, and these are known to be carcinogenic. As Kathleen explains, however, the amount of nitrosamines in processed meats is much lower than it used to be. Let's talk a little bit about the nitrosamines, because it was back in the 70s when um, it became a concern, because when Further processed foods were cooked at high temperatures. They created this, these nitrosamine compounds that are carcinogenic to animals. Um, and so it triggered a debate about, are these safe? And, and they cast a shadow over cured meats. And, and so the government has placed limits on the amount of nitrite that can be added to cured meats. And they require the addition of sodium erythrobate or sodium ascorbate. That's a form of vitamin C. Because... These particular sodium compounds prevent the formation of nitrosamines. So the government has, has allegedly done their job at establishing these limits to prevent the development of nitrosamines. Now, this is a key point because 
A lot of dietary intake data that we rely on today were collected back in the 70s and 80s. And our food supply has changed a lot over the last 50 years. For example, beef and pork have both gotten substantially leaner over the past 50 years. Processed meats are much lower in nitrosamines. So the associations between diet and health that are based on what we ate 40 or 50 years ago may not be completely relevant today. Kathleen also mentioned vitamin C as a way of blocking the formation of nitrosamines. Adding sodium ascorbate, which is a form of vitamin C, to processed meats helps to inhibit nitrosamine formation in them. And you know what? Adding more fruits and vegetables to your meals can help block the formation of nitrosamines in your gut when you consume processed meats. As is so often the case, we can't evaluate the positive or negative impact of foods in a vacuum. It always depends on how much you're eating, what you're eating them with, and even what you might be eating instead if you weren't eating that. For example, the association between high intake of processed meat and increased cancer risk is not seen in those who also have a high intake of fruits and vegetables. So what that means for you is, if you do occasionally enjoy cured or processed meats, be sure to pair them with some vegetables. Bacon, lettuce, and tomato is not just a classic sandwich. It's a smart nutritional pairing. Here's Kathleen Zellman again. The choice is yours, and you can choose to enjoy these foods if you like them um, or not. But I feel after doing this relatively deep dive into the research, talking to researchers, looking at those epi studies, that time and time again, it was the high intakes of the further processed meat that were associated with the concerns. And you mentioned earlier, it's a correlation. It's not a causation. They're not, one doesn't cause the other. And so in the context of a healthy diet, you keep things in moderation. Okay, we want to keep things in moderation, but what does moderation actually mean? The guidelines really leave us hanging there, but the epidemiological studies, although they are subject to all of the caveats I mentioned before, may offer some clues here. In those studies that do find a link, it's generally the people in the very highest category of processed meat consumption that have that increase in risk, and that's usually one or more servings of processed meat per day. Those who are eating one or two servings per week have virtually the same risk as those who eat none at all. In other words, eating bacon for breakfast every morning, ham every day for lunch, hot dogs or pepperoni several nights a week, that's probably not a great idea. But enjoying a little bacon on the weekend or some corned beef on St. Patrick's Day or ham on the holidays appears to present very little risk. I'm going to let registered dietitian Kathleen Zellman have the last word here. We have to look at the weight of the evidence. Where is the preponderance of evidence? And I think that the evidence suggests that with these foods, because of the sodium, the fats, the preservatives, that we need to just make sure that we keep them limited in our diet. How much? I don't know. As a dietitian, I'd probably say, you know, once or twice a week would, would be moderation. My thanks to Kathleen Zellman for contributing to this week's episode. You'll find a transcript of today's show, along with links to several related episodes on our website at quickanddirtytips.com. And if you'd like to contact me, you can find me on social media at Nutrition Diva or on my website, nutritionovereasy.com. 
Our show is produced by Nathan Sams. It's edited by Karen Hertzberg. And our team at Macmillan Audio also includes Emily Miller, Michelle Margulis, Morgan Ratner, and our director, Kathy Doyle. But of course, the most important member of our team is you, the listener. So thanks so much for being here. I'll be back next week. Until then, remember to eat something good for me.